We would like to say a special thank you to Heritage Lutheran Church in Brandon, South Dakota, for sponsoring this week's episode in honor of Pastor Naomi Stout. So if you continue in his word of mercy that literally changes the world, you are truly my disciples if you abide in my word of promise. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. Jesus says in today's lectionary text, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. This caused Adam and me to ask questions like, How do you continue in Jesus' word? And what actually is the truth? Sarah Stenson and Dr. Chris Krogan teach us that abiding in Jesus' word is something that happens to you, not something that you do. They also teach us that in a society that's trying to prove that there are multiple truths, you have your truth and I have mine. Jesus' word is the capital T truth. That word is mercy. Mercy is categorical. You either have it or you don't. For us, we are set free in Christ's word. That word, Jesus forgives all your sin. Let's get to it. Here's John chapter 8 verses 31 through 36. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And now on to this week's conversation. Back to Scripture First, we have both Dr. Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson with us this week. Thanks for being here, both of you. It's a delight. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if you've ever opened a podcast saying it's yep, a delight was, before. Yeah, no, I mean, someone's I've in a good mood. Maybe yeah. I'm in a good mood. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the uh, Reformation Sunday text. Uh, usually it's it's this text every year, right? Yep. Um, so it's a familiar text. We've talked about it last three years, but yep. of course we're here. Here we are. Here, year four. <laughs> okay. Groundhog Day. At Groundhog Day. Uh, Christ is speaking uh, uh, to the Jews. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he who, says... What's to the Jews who had believed in him. Yeah, to the Jews right. who had believed in him. He says, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And the first thing that we were kind of talking about before the podcast is what what does it mean to uh, continue in the word of Christ? Yeah. So the um, this we have to refer back to actually the beginning of John. In the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So you'd want to probably even say, if you continue in my, and then put a capital W word there, Mm -hmm. that is to say, you are continuing in me, which makes you truly a disciple, which is an important piece. Now also then, as we sit there and think about what the Word was doing before we get to John 8, it changed water into wine. It rose, it made somebody from the dead rise. It took fish and loaves and multiplied them. And so this was not just, uh, if you continue in my, um, what I've been saying here and follow my lead on instructions and stuff like that. No, if you actually, which is why the Jews had believed in him. Remember at Cana, the first sign, he did this so that they might believe in him. Right. And so there's something dynamic going on there. And it, I, I, it is interesting that you can't separate capital W word from Jesus. They are the same thing that Jesus is speaking mm-hmm. is Jesus. Yep. Right. Right. Which yep. is God. <laughs> so, right. But the other thing on this continue is in the Greek, it's menos. And that means abide, remain, stay. So when Jesus says to the Jews who had believed in him, in other words, the Jews who had been witnessing some of these miracles mm-hmm. and talking about them, hearing about them. When he says, if you continue, abide, remain, stay in my word, you are truly my disciples. And so naturally, when most of us hear that, we think of it if then, and that Jesus is saying, well, it's up to us to continue in his word, to remain in his word, to stay in his word. But the key is who controls whether or not we are abiding or remaining in Jesus' word, which actually goes back to what Chris was just saying. In the beginning was the word. God creates everything by speaking, and certainly now Jesus creates faith by speaking, and we do not control what we hear. Mm -hmm. So that means we do not control whether or not we are abiding or continuing in Christ's word. And, and again, just think of what, what's really helpful in the Gospel of John here is all the stories that are leading up to this of Jesus, what he's doing with his word. So remember he had the, the woman um, from Samaria, and he told her about her past. And the husbands, that's the story about the husbands, right? And the one you're living with is not your husband. And she goes back and says, he knew everything about me, right? And then in the beginning of chapter 8, it's the woman caught in adultery. And what does he say? I'm not here to damn you, right? Go and sin no more, which is key on this. What does it mean to be a slave to sin and stuff like that? So if you continue in his word of mercy, that literally changes the world. You are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word of promise, something, you're, you're a very different creature. And then I think if you just read this without that kind of, context, you can assume that it's, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, that that it could be read as if it's some sort of challenge to stay in your Bible, read your yes. Bible more. Mm-hmm. Be a good so, disciple. Yeah, be in, in the word. Yeah, be a good disciple. So mm-hmm. it's like up to you to do this. So that's mm-hmm. a really helpful cl- context to know that that continue in in the word, the word continue means that you're not the one actually doing that. Right. Right. Well, I guess one question might be then, what does that mean practically? Because we can kind of talk about um, Mm -hmm. 
we don't continue in the word or we don't abide by our own uh, means. But uh, for people listening, it just kind of sounds abstract, right? Or yep. what's so it mean practically? Or what's Practically it mean? what it means is to be a disciple of Christ is to be a betrayer of Christ, to be a sinner and know what Chris was just talking about, that you need his mercy and that you need to continue to have Christ's word of mercy, promise, forgiveness, put back in your ear. That's what it means practically, which is why this is such an incredibly powerful preaching text, every Reformation, mm-hmm. because these, um, the menos, abide, remain, what we were just talking about. Well, what is Christ's word? Sinner forgiven, which is exactly what it means to be his disciple, to confess sinner forgiven and i know i can't forgive myself i need to hear the word of promise and so his disciples are going to be caught or seeking his word because it's the only thing that gives them a sense of identity in the midst of their sin so they're going to be the woman at the well that jesus seeks out and tells her story they're going to be the woman caught in adultery that jesus stops the law and makes them put down their stones and walk away. This is who, because remember in the Gospel of John, how does Jesus call his disciples? He says, follow me, mm-hmm. and they follow him. Go, yeah. Yeah, and so this is what it means to be a disciple, not to go and try harder, mm-hmm. not to go try to seek Jesus, mm-hmm. not to try to become more faith, like mm-hmm. we heard a couple of weeks ago, increase my faith. Mm-hmm. Nope, not that at all. Okay, I, I have a, a, a semantics question that I, I get asked maybe on occasion, mm-hmm. but we, we talk a lot at Luther House about that we need to preach the word and the word is here. You, you hear the word, hearing is an involuntary act. What, like, what is the role of reading your Bible? Can you hear, like, can you be preached to by reading your Bible or does it have to be a verbal question? Like uh, from a preacher actually verbalizing it to you for the Holy Spirit to to function that way. So so right. So the, and and the question inherently has some difficulties that, that that people are getting because what they're trying to do is they're looking for a prescription or a formula mm-hmm. to make their faith. So what we're going to say is when you encounter the Word, the Spirit blows where it will and does what it does. So there are definitely people, for example. There's a little guy who's riding along in a carriage with a disciple, and he's reading the text, and then he says, I've just read this, mm-hmm. and something happens to him. Yeah. So it wasn't that he had been had a sermon there. Um, but you don't sit there, you can't actually um, absolve yourself by mm-hmm. reading the Bible, but you can find Christ for you in reading the Bible. But that absolution will get lost in your own Oh, maybe this isn't what it says. Maybe I'm misreading this, which is why you need to have an external voice saying, no, this is what it says, which is going to get to that point of truth and you will know the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me, let me explain a little bit on the question because what your people are doing is they're looking at trying to solve uncertainty or find a prescription. So now, this is our culture right now wants to say there is no such thing as a categorical truth, a capital T truth. Right. 
And the reason they do that is because they think in terms of what we'd call scientific reasoning or what we've always said, skeptic acid, right? And it's the philosophical approach to figuring out truth, which never finds truth. <laughs> think that you may be wrong is at the heart of the scientific method as well as the study of the humanities and liberal arts. Because that's what you're doing is you're searching for truth. The good, the true, and the beautiful, you're on a quest. I don't know if our culture is searching for truth. No, no, but, that, but, that, but, but, that's, but that's at the heart of their, their thought of educational yeah, enterprise, yeah. which is why they th now think it's multiple truths. Yeah. yeah. Because but, they go that, with yeah. Just what you said, like, just struck me so much that you're just like, it's the search for truth mm -hmm. that never... No, right. Categorically, categorically will never get there. It which, which the scientists yeah. know that. Yeah. Scientific reasoning knows they never find truth. They only, they only prove what's not true, right? That's what a science... But some people mistakenly understand that as that is, therefore, there's no truth because they apply that kind of reasoning mm -hmm. because we can't empirically find truth. Truth finds us, which is exactly... They will know the truth. And what is the truth? God is God. We are not God. And what? Who is God? One who has mercy mm -hmm. on the ones that think that they're God. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so there you have it. Well, and Jesus also says it yep. a few chapters later here in John fourteen. I am the way, the truth, the life. Yep. That is categorical. Which is why at, at the beginning of John, John one, um, it's where Jesus says, and he was full of grace and truth, mm -hmm. you know, because what everybody was thinking God was prior to Christ in their own skeptical way of the law is they're thinking God is, plays um, fair mm -hmm. and treats people equally and mm -hmm. justice is a balancing of the scales. That's not the truth, never has been the truth, nor is it what God promised to do. Mm -hmm. So this is all at what's at heart, which is why it's a very important piece for Reformation, because what does everybody think? They think justice, which mm -hmm. we call justification by faith, mm -hmm. in this old world is the balancing of scales. And that's not the truth. That's not God's justice. God's justice is he does not lie and will do what he promised. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what makes him righteous, which is when Luther discovered that mm -hmm. as a difference between not balancing the scales. You know, which, interestingly enough, if, if readers are, or listeners are interested in reading Luther preaching on this text, it's called the Sermon at the Castle Pleissenburg. And this is actually what he preached on. He had gone to Leipzig and had the Leipzig debate. And, mm -hmm. and then he comes back 20 years later when Leipzig reforms, goes into the Reformation, and he preaches on this exact text at the mm -hmm. Sermon at Castle Pleissenburg. And so it's kind of fun to see what Luther does with it. Well, um, and, and part of the, the beauty or power of this verse and reading Sermon at Castle Pleissenburg is it, it begs the question when Jesus says the truth will make you free or will set you free, well, free from what? Mm -hmm. He's speaking now to all of us every bit as, as, much, as much as he was talking to the, the Jews he was speaking to in that time. Free from thinking we can determine our own truth or we can determine our own identity mm -hmm. or there are many truths. All those myths, yeah. lies actually, and, and attacks on faith, Mm -hmm. that's what Jesus Christ's proclamation of mercy, forgiveness, actually frees us from to this day. Mm -hmm. I think Dr. Krogan said something interesting um, before that usually, like with the, the sciences and uh, yep. empirical reason, usually you're trying to 
to grasp the yep. truth for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the truth will make you free. The truth is grasping you. Yeah, exactly. It's the, it's will the, make you. Yeah, yeah the truth will make a, you a flip free. of that. Yeah, and well, and, and here's a couple of things that are also helpful. If there are multiple truths, that is to say, you don't have a capital T truth, then forgiveness does not stand because that can always be brought into trial. Yeah. Right. Skeptical. That is mercy is no longer on the table because mercy has to be categorical. You either are forgiven or you're not. Mm -hmm. This is a black and white conversation, which is why these people say, you know, everything's gray. The gospels are gray. Sarah and I were just reading an article from Ferdy and he says, in, in the ecumenical conversations when negotiating who, who's in and who's out, all cats are gray. And I thought that's a really good way to say it, <laughs> is that everything is just kind of indifferent mm-hmm. and multiple ways of things. So you have multiple no ways assertion. of being a Lutheran, yeah. multiple ways of being a Christian. In fact, all roads, paths lead to salvation, no matter what religion you're on. This is the way people think because they don't like the categorical black and white. Mm -hmm. But to not claim a capital T truth is to say forgiveness is not, Mm -hmm. which is huge because if you I mean, that's the entire... That's the whole gospel. gospel. That's that's why this is a Reformation text every year. Yeah. 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 That's it. It's... um, or even just to say Lutheranism is a, a movement or a part of the, the body of Christ. And right. This is in, it's one kind of, perspective. It's yeah. one perspective, mm-hmm. which yeah. has never mm-hmm. been the case, nor has been the confession of the confession. Yeah. I just wish we could focus on the capital C church, you know, yeah. like universalism. Right. Right. Yeah. Why, why can't we all agree to just get along and mm-hmm. forget the doctrinal fights or let's not talk theology, let's talk experience. Yeah. Which is exactly what we have right now in our current culture is experience rules the day of everybody has their individual truth. It's not my truth because that's not my experience. Well, this is actually your you your experience is to hear the word of forgiveness. And that's not something you look for as an experience and claim. Mm-hmm. So Which this, is the menos that is abiding in Christ's word. Yep. Which yeah. is the freedom then. But you see, you yeah. give up freedom. The other piece on this that's important about freedom, again, this was from Gerhard Ferdy, is you can't actually convince anybody they're free. You can only declare it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Which goes to your question even about reading scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not about to say it cannot happen, but we are going to say... Mm, it's really hard, in fact, impossible to convince yourself that you are forgiven, even if you're reading it, because you're going to find dodges in the text. And most of those dodges actually are going to be, eh, I'm not that bad. Mm. Eh, that wasn't really directed at me. That's at so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And this goes, you know, Nathan and David, you are the man. So it's it's all over scripture. And certainly, the Apostle Paul, faith comes through hearing. And so this is why then we move into ver- verse 34. Um, Jesus, 33. Or excuse me, 30. Yeah. Well, 33, but okay, yeah. Sure. We, but yes. Yeah. So the, they're saying that we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been a slaves to anyone. Because so, they're offended, as will many people be when they hear what we what were just, just talking, talking about. about categorically. So were we're, the Jews who said, wait, we've never been slaves to anyone. Yeah. Well, technically not true, of course, but it is the offense at what Jesus is saying that's really key there. Because we are we are descendants of Abraham, which they're thinking of, of their circumcision. Yep, mm-hmm. in the law. And so they're thinking we are descendants, whereas Abraham was righteous by the unfair faith mm-hmm. of the forgiveness of his idolatry. Mm-hmm. That's what made him righteous is he believed that God forgives his idolatry. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's, the, what we're saying, we weren't sinners back then. So then Jesus goes on in 34, 
everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And again, this goes back to we, we have to know exactly what Jesus in the Gospel of John, by the way, names as sin. Sin in the Gospel of John, as he says it, is unbelief. So now just read that. Everyone who commits a sin. So let's just go through the Ten Commandments, right? If you do any of the two, three through nine, right? Mm-hmm. Ten, even. Mm-hmm. Don't honor your mother and father, murder. Yeah, pick a card, any yeah, card. Right. It's any because one of those. you broke the first one. You mm-hmm. unbelieved God's word. Mm-hmm. And so anybody who commits a sin, the symptom of that is that you don't believe the truth. You aren't abiding in the word. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he's saying. If you commit a sin, you are a slave to unbelief. And so, which is huge. You know, mm-hmm. and so, but how do you solve that unbelief? You can't convince yourself you're free, nor can you convince yourself you're forgiven. You abide in the word that came to the woman caught in adultery. You abide in the word that came to the woman, Samaritan woman. You abide in the word that ch- changed water into wine, made fishes out of loaves. You abide in the resurrection word, which is why, you know, slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. Which again, this is offensive to the Jews. Because mm-hmm. even even verse 34, they just said that we've never been slaves to anyone. And he's now saying everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Well, this is also pointed at those people who think their righteousness is in the law or their, their genealogy, which is what the Jews were thinking. Mm-hmm. Every bit is true for those of us today who think, Many truths, group hug, you know, the gospel is love. It's not name. We don't want to name sin and and offend people. Slave to sin. You're a slave to sin. And you're actually enslaving others in sin. You do not name it as sin and forgive it. So people can actually abide, actually even rest, remain in the peace of Christ's forgiveness. And, And just listen to what Sarah said. If you do not name sin, the word of mercy is not yours or to be given. That is the word of truth. You can't actually tell them the truth, which is what people are afraid of. But if I, if I say that they're sinners, they won't like me, or they may feel bad about themselves, or they may feel burdened. Mm-hmm. So this is why we, we, we make up falsehoods by saying skeptically, there's many ways. That is to say, you can even say something like, there is fluidity in gender. That's many truths. Right? And that's actually not saying you're haunted because you don't trust that God called you good the mm-hmm. way he made you. Mm-hmm. And that's your haunt. Mm-hmm. Now, what we're not going to do is to convince you you're good. We're going to forgive you mm-hmm. for not trusting God. And keep putting Christ's forgiveness in everyone's ear. Because, by the way, every one of us in this room and listening to this podcast are every bit as... Um, much a slave to sin, as were the people Jesus was talking about. So when we, when Chris was saying commandments two through 10, absolutely all of us most of the time, which is why we need good preachers to keep this word in people's ears, including when Christ makes you free, well, you are free indeed. Mm-hmm. And you, you're freed in the identity and word of peace Christ gives you. Yeah, so no one else. So when your when your identity isn't in your how you're seeking truth or what you claim to be true, mm-hmm. but your identity is that you're forgiven, mm-hmm. guess what? Your identity now is no longer yours. It's what Christ says mm-hmm. about you. From a um a, a pastors or 
a preacher's standpoint, yep. Gerhard Ferdy has a, a little article. I forget what it's on, but uh, well, I forget the title of it, but he says somewhere and he says, the law has no compassion. Oh, oh absolutely. yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> and so for a preacher's standpoint, uh, it's if we almost seek to, to muddy the law, mm-hmm. um, we... We're, we don't believe the gospel in a way. Or we're, you, you can't. Yeah. 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 Not you only have does, no compassion. And yeah. not only does the law have no compassion, it also cannot create freedom. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It kills. Yeah. It yeah. kills. It always yeah. accuses yeah. and kills. Yeah. Which is why um, if you end a law with a, uh, a sermon with a to-do list mm-hmm. and be it um, progressive or be it traditional mm-hmm. to-do list, you have removed freedom. Mm-hmm. So, now, if the Son makes you free, how is he going to make you free? With his capital W word. What is his capital W word? It is what John says at the beginning of the book. It is full of grace and truth. And what is the grace and truth? Christ forgives you all your sin. His word raises the dead. Thanks be to God. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson and Dr. Chris Krogan for teaching us that sin is unbelief. And how do you fix that unbelief? By abiding in the word that provides mercy. Jesus makes you free with his word. His word is full of grace and truth. That capital T truth. That Christ forgives you all your sin. Thanks be to God. I want to invite you to watch Luther House's new horror video series. You heard that right, a new horror video series. Luther House of Study, in partnership with the Unite Leadership Collective and Red Braille Studios, brings you The Horror, a video series based on true horror stories from Lutheran ministries from around the U.S. In this four-part series, we tell true stories from ministry as if they were horror movies. Ministry can be scary, but don't be afraid. Join us in the mission to proclaim Jesus. New episodes every Saturday on the Luther House of Study Facebook and YouTube pages. You can find links to watch those episodes in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, Jesus is the Word. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.